0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Good morning to you. Welcome to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio with Coach Charlie Melton. I am Jay White in for Jermaine Flood today. And today we're talking about, Coach, do-it-yourself repairs. Coach, how are you? Good I morning. I'm
0: doing just great. I'm glad I am just got back from Washington, D.C. and had a great time, and I'm back and ready to go.
1: All right. Well, you put an R in it like my grandmother used to. And that means you're from the South, Coach. That's right. I'm from it's the Washington South. Washington, and it's... you drink some water sometimes, that's, and that's okay. That's okay. Absolutely. So how was the nation's capital for you?
0: It was different, but it was okay.
1: Right, right, right. It's a lot of historic.
0: Can't get much more historic
1: than that place. Maybe Philadelphia or something like that, but yeah.
0: You know, my most moving part of that was when I went to Arlington Cemetery. Absolutely. No
1: doubt. 100%. Glad you got to experience that.
0: I got to see the... uh, did you walk
1: in prepared for that or did you get there and you're like, whoa, this is, I got I to gotta uh, shift down here?
0: <laughs> well, I was ready for it because I want to see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier yeah, and yeah. see the guard, and that was really moving.
1: Absolutely. I bet it was. That's it was. a thing you'll probably never forget. Right. All right. Good for you, Coach, experiencing that. Coach, it's a bajillion degrees outside. You mentioned something to me right before the show that I think is the is the perfect thing to mention first, and that's with all this heat. Just to make sure you're checking on folks yeah. in, your, in your car when you get out. That's it's a super simple thing, but. Well, We the, hear stories about it all the time, right?
0: The vehicles run different. The air conditioner runs different. Everything, as the heat increases, You know, it puts more stress on the car. So you really want to make sure that your air conditioner is cool. Yeah. And if you do not have air conditioner, make sure those windows are rolled down. But the main thing is if you're getting in and out of that vehicle, make sure there's nothing on those back seats, no children, no pets. Make sure you got plenty of water with you. And you need to make sure if you're going to leave your vehicle in a parking lot for a good long time get one of those shades that you can put in the dash of windshield yeah. and mm-hmm. at least it'll cool off because uh, we wear short pants here down in Mississippi, yeah. and <laughs> it's going to burn your legs. It's going to burn those it kids' sure legs.
1: Is. And it, even if it doesn't, your legs are going to sweat, and you don't want That's that, right. and depending on what kind of shorts you're wearing. Anyway, That's I ran right. into that the other day. <laughs> so
0: so got you out be, in the car.
1: My legs were just water on the bottom, <laughs> and I was like, well, okay. Anyway.
0: So you really want to be careful. Uh, during this heat wave, they said, you know, they um, I found out what a heat wave was. Any three days that it's over nine degrees, they consider it a heat wave.
1: Oh, well, we stay in heat wave.
0: That's what I thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like uh, somebody saying in catabolic state, we stay in a heat wave, coach, if that's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's what I Goodness. thought. Goodness. All right. Well, that's like seven or eight months out of the year that's for right. us, a heat wave in Mississippi. So it's interesting you mentioned, uh, and I just experienced this really for the first time, that a lot of the newer cars, when you go to uh, turn them off and get out, it, it, dings loudly and warns you hey check around for everything check your surroundings and make sure everybody's out and nobody's left in here and that's very cool that they do that and i, I don't have a car it's new enough to do that but i got to i work for uh, a soccer team here in town and i got i get to drive them around and and <laughs> we had the fortune of driving a 2023 Ford Transit, okay, 350, okay, and right, it's that's that is a phenomenal a piece vehicle. of equipment. Yes, I'm is. not even a car guy, and I'm like, this is amazing to drive. It has everything in there that you need. Absolutely, they have thought of everything because
0: you're transferring, you're transferring people, and that's what it's for. Yeah,
1: but it was a it was a 23. It's got all the bells and whistles, all the tech. It's that's got right. all the room. If you've like, if you always like rent an RV to move your family around, look at this. Like, if you're doing a guys trip or something like that, yes, just as easy to do, and it's you know, it's it's not a hard rental talking to a guy that uh, works down at uh, Keith White Ford in Macomb, Brian Strong, and he's like, they can't keep them. They right. can't keep them in there. They they charge something like, and I don't want to give an exact price, but it's something around like 200 a night or something like that.
2: That's and in Macomb,
1: Mississippi, they can't keep those things on the lot. It might be a little bit more than that. I'm, I'm trying. I didn't want to bury anyway, them with the wrong price, but, but they can't price. keep them on the lot. Right. And they're, they're you know they're just... It's easy for any kind of event. You can store people or whatever to throw in there anyway. Going overboard on that car, it was beautiful, but it had that technology that before you turned it off, it's like, hey, make sure everybody's out of here.
0: You know, I was just thinking something, Jay. On the way over here, I stopped and get some gas in my car. I pulled my card out, stuck it in the machine, and the machine says, can't read. So three times it couldn't read. So I took two different cards out, couldn't read. Well, the reason it couldn't read, they want you to go inside. They have changed the way that they now check you out. There is no cashier. I went up there and I asked the cashier. I said, it won't read my card. She says, oh, I know the machines are not. Made to read them. Now you had to come inside and use the automatic machine.
3: Oh, and make sure you get the right and Well,
0: you, that when, technology. When right? you think of AI and all that, I don't know. Maybe it's going to put a lot of people out of jobs. Well, that's not
1: a technology thing. That's them trying to get people in the store to buy stuff.
0: Right, but that's, know, try,
1: that's them getting getting people to move to that point of sale.
0: Yeah, but then how many people does it put out of business because they, they don't. don't have no cashiers? They don't have no cashiers.
1: Right, right. Just yeah. like Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Coach, when I say do-it-yourself repair, what's what are a couple of just, you know, tried and true jobs that Joe American can look forward to learning how to do on his car at well, some point in his, his or her life?
0: Well, I think the first thing, if you're going to do it repair, you want to make sure you have the right tools because it's very important that you – if you're going to do anything under the vehicle, make you make sure you have a nice floor jack, a three-ton floor jack, and make sure you know where to – Put that floor jack so you don't damage your vehicle.
1: Have some wraps. That's important. Oh,
0: yeah. That's important.
1: Because, Coach, I look under there, and I'm not sure sometimes. And I'm like, "Mm, that doesn't look like where this is supposed to go. I'm just going to punch a hole in the bottom of my car. I don't want to do that.
0: Well, these cars today, they don't have a frame. It is a unibody vehicle. And... You're nothing but metal, thin metal right there underneath the passenger seat. And a lot of times people will take that floor jack, put it right under there. But there are some rails. Make sure you're yeah. reading the owner's manual. The owner's manual is going to tell you where to jack it up as well. Yeah. But get you a good uh, three-ton floor jack. Get you some ramps mm-hmm. that will hold the vehicle up. Don't go and get some $39 ramps. Make sure you get some that are That's sturdy. That's important,
1: Coach. So make so, sure you get yeah. the right
0: tools. And then just have you a set of basic metric tools. Okay, uh, we're no longer in the SAE type era. Those are called standard tools. We're we're now in metric. So make sure you get you a standard set of metric tools. Good metric tools. Don't go to. I'm, I'm going to tell you, don't go somewhere and buy the cheapest tools you can get because you're going to hurt yourself. Okay, get the right tools. Then think about what mechanical ability that you have. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know everybody's Googling uh, YouTube and all these different places, but If you do not have the mechanical knowledge, even though they're telling you where it is and showing you, those are not always correct Yeah. because they don't tell you all the stuff you have to move in order to get to where you're going.
1: Oh, see. So, coach, I don't even like I, I, I would I would consider myself to have no technical knowledge. I am my my ability is finding the right video and following instructions.
0: Following instructions
1: that's that's all I'm trying to do. Right. So if you're going to do that, so if they lead me down the wrong path, Coach, I'm gonna follow them to a T, right down that wrong path, and then you're gonna pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know the uh,
0: the first basic thing is since I was an automotive instructor, I was able to teach students that were 15 to 18 years old what they needed to know. Basically, first of all. How to change a tire. Absolutely. There are so many uh, people out there don't even know how to change a tire on the side of the road. But how to find the jack, how to raise it up, how to be safe and change that tire. Your
1: Coach, there's an order that goes in. That's right. And you don't need to do it out of order. So It makes want, it much more difficult.
0: So that's one of those do-it things if you want to change tires all. But the thing is, once again, changing tires today, they had to be torqued a certain way. And a lot of people just bear down on that jack handle and they tighten it up as tight as they can. They break the studs off. Yeah. So you want to be careful there. So you want to, you, if you're going to do it yourself, you can do that.
1: Uh, batteries. So, Coach, some folks are thinking, man, this is my car, and these are the tires, and if this falls off, I'm going to die. So i got to tighten this as hard as I possibly can. You don't have to do that.
0: You don't have to do it. I'm talking about 80 foot-pounds on some of them. Yeah. 70 to 80 foot-pounds on Hondas and Toyotas. Ford's 140 foot-pounds. Well, foot and pounds. then, I
1: mean, I think people lose lose sight of the fact that you're locking 20 lug nuts onto your car. So, right. I mean, it's being held on. Right. It's I not, mean, a yeah. bunch would have to go sideways well, what happens, Not saying it can't, but a bunch would have to go sideways uh, with 20 lug nuts tied up.
0: Well, Jay, right? what happens on a lot of that, they take it and have uh, a, a dealership or a tire shop, put them on there, put them on with an impact, and you're trying to take them back off, you can't get them off. Uh-oh. You know, and yeah. so if your wife is on the side of the road or your sister or somebody— You can't get them off. So you want to do that. So that's one of those do-yourself things that you can do easy. Um, Tell Randy at the shop to ease off that air gun a little bit. Okay. Batteries. Uh Okay. You can change your own batteries. Coach, I've
1: done this successfully. Right. Somewhat.
0: On the newer cars, if you change your batteries... Things had to be reprogrammed, so you got to be careful on that. So you want to, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to be careful on that, and you can get a battery saver. But you could change your own batteries, battery posts, and cables. You can clean those, take those off, clean the battery post real good. You know, a lot of times when people say, "Well, my vehicle won't crank," the first thing they need to do is check the
1: battery cables. Yep. If they're loose, clean them, tighten them back up. Now, coach, I've had a Honda Pilot that has one of the posts has always produced acid. I've always had to clean that. Constantly, Why would it keep doing that? What makes it keep doing that?
0: Well, it's electrolysis between the acid uh, and the electricity that's producing. Mm-hmm. How do you clean a battery a lot of people just, they say, well, pour coke on it. Don't pour no coke on it. <laughs> I've heard
1: that. I've heard, you know, I have heard that.
0: You're pouring acid on acid. Yeah. You know, the easiest way to clean it is just say you had all that green and white fuzzy stuff on your battery. Yeah, yeah. You could take and crank the vehicle up and you could take a bottle of water, regular tap water, and slowly pour it over the battery post while it's running. It'll make it look like brand new copper. Okay, Coach. Brand new.
1: All right. Just
0: by pouring a little water on it slowly. So pouring water, it water it.
1: over a cranked battery. That's what we're doing. And you can see okay, it just I would have never thought that. I would have thought not to do that. No, it'll just disappear. Bam, just like that. Yes. All
0: now, right. to neutralize the acid, you could do it with uh, water and baking soda. Okay, mix it up make a paste and put it on there and that neutralizes the acid gotcha but if you're in a fix and you need to get that uh clean your post real quick just let it run and pour slowly pour that bottle of water on it
1: we're about to go to francis and natchez but the wire brushes that you can buy is that i mean do you want to do that is it damaging to it or
0: well no you're going to take in order to do that you're going to take the post off this is where you don't even have to take the post the cables off yeah. You know, you take the wire brush, once you get ready and clean all that out, mm-hmm. take the wire brush, and they make a battery tool that goes in there and has those wire bristles in there that you can clean the cables as well. Yeah, yeah. That's an easy job.
1: Yep, absolutely. Francis is in Natchez. Francis, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on?
4: Hey, Coach. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, that first thing that you were talking about, uh, getting the lug nuts off of a wheel, didn't have done that before. <laughs> but I found out about a 20 a foot ratchet gun you can set the torque on those things so that you won't over-torque it. And believe me, they will get that nut off.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing there to have. Like I say, if you're going to do it yourself, torque those wheels. Like I say, find the specs, torque them, because if I ever take my vehicle to a shop and they're going to put wheels on it, I make them pull out the torque wrench in front of me and torque my wheels.
4: Wow. Okay. Well, my next question is this. I called a few weeks ago. About a heat sensor that I put, you know, in my car, I had walled it out, and I tapped another hole, and it's in. But I, uh, <clears throat> the old one, it was about a half an inch above the motor, and I torqued this one. I mean, I didn't torque it; I screwed it all the way down. It's it's secure, and I put on a new radiator. I put on a new fr- uh, fan shroud, and. uh I took out uh, well the fan shroud and the radiator, and it's still running uh, hot. What's the problem?
0: So you put a heat sensor so you can see if the uh, sensor was working. You would put a radiator. Why'd you put a radiator? In? Was it cracked? Was it uh, dirty? Oh, yeah, it, it
4: was
0: cracked. Okay, so and then how about the thermostat? Uh, I didn't put about
4: four into this vehicle,
0: and it still runs hot. Yeah. Okay, so what? I would, what year is this vehicle? Okay, what I would do on this vehicle, if it's still running hot after you put a radiator in it, after you put a new thermostat in it, then we may have a little different problem. Did you check the fans on it to make sure that the fans are coming on?
4: Okay, I did that. And when that needle gets up about halfway, the fan does kick in, but sometimes it just goes past halfway, almost into the red zone.
0: Okay, now the sensor is what makes that fan come on. Huh? The sensor you got is what makes that fan come on. It's rated at either 212 or 215, and then that fan should automatically come on. Huh? Now, do both of them come on, or is it just one fan? It's just one fan. Okay. Another thing you can do is it does it overheat mostly when you're sitting or driving?
4: Uh, both.
0: Both. Both. Okay. So, because the fan, is, the air is blowing through it to cool it off. Okay, yeah. if you're driving. So I would check and make sure you don't have a leak somewhere going into the exhaust system or something. And what you could do and have an easy way to do that is take your radiator cap off while it's running. Don't do it while make sure you have it off before you crank it up. Let it sit there and run and see if you have any exhaust. You'll see a little smoke come out of the top of the radiator.
4: Done that. It didn't uh, do it. It
0: didn't <laughs> have none of that on there. Oh. So what I would do is get somebody to pressure test it and see if there's anything, if there's coolant going down into the oil or anything like that. Uh, That's what I would do next.
4: Okay, my last question is the heat sensor that I put in, uh, the the one that came with the car, uh, the heat sensor, the threads were about a half inch above the motor. And I I screwed this one all the way down to the motor. Do you think that could have had an effect upon it?
0: Well, you know, what's happening is water is just flowing past that sensor. Yeah. And the heat of the water is what changes the sensor's temperature. Yeah. Okay, because it has a chemical in there, um, and that's what's changing the reaction of the temperature. So I don't really think unless it's getting heat off that block, if it's touching the block itself on the inside. If it's touching the block on the inside, it's always going to run what that heat is and not what the heat is of the coolant coming through there.
4: Okay. But you done got me on the right track. I'll take it to a radiator shop and get them to test it, you know, for a departure test.
0: Right. That's what I would do next because Thanks. you got you got a heating problem coming from somewhere.
4: Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot. Cole. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Francis. We appreciate the call from Natchez this morning. Nick in Kibbe. Nick, what's going on? How are you doing this morning?
5: Well, buddy, I'm doing fine. It's living through this three-day hot wave.
1: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. A permanent hot wave.
5: That's right. Coach, I got two questions. Yes, sir. First question is, I've got a, uh, all of my vehicles are fairly new. The oldest one is uh 21, and I got a 21 and a, a 22. And many years ago, I remember, we used to have a nine-volt battery plugged into the cigarette lighter, and we're going to— if we're going to undo the battery, where well, we won't lose all lose all of our settings, can we still
0: do that? You can still do it. It's called a battery battery saver, and what that battery saver does, it saves your all your uh, programs that you got in there right then at that time, so you do not lose those. If it, it'll for your Windows, you know, because a lot of times you change a battery, the Windows got to be redone. So there's a lot of different things that got to be changed, and that battery saver will help you with that.
5: Okay, so you can still do it on these new cars? Yes, sir. Okay, my next question is, I've got a 23 Honda Accord, and in the mornings, it all depends on the dew point, when you back out of the the carport and you use very light brakes as you back up, both back rotors make a foghorn sound, and, and that's a light pedal I have gone to the dealership, and they said, oh, my goodness, everybody comes in here that's got them. All they do is, tell, what can we do? What can we do? And uh, they said there's no call on them, and Honda knows it does it, and they hadn't made any attempts to correct it. Now, my question is, uh, I used to change my own brakes out many years ago on my pads and stuff, and you used to get a, a, a save type compound that went on the, on the steel side of the pads, that when you put them on, it would stop that that uh, vibration of that you might say "foghorn effect." What do you think all will do? Well, it's a
0: 2023. I got a 2023 Honda HRV for my wife. It does the exact same thing on those rear brakes. I took it into the dealership uh, last month or the month before last. And so, Coach, when he
1: said about the foghorn, you, you knew exactly I what knew he was exactly talking about. I knew exactly what
0: we're talking about, and I'm going to tell you how to solve this problem. That the, You're going to call customer service of Honda. Uh-oh. Call customer service of Honda and tell them that you've taken your vehicle in there, that it's still making this noise on the rear brakes, and they cannot seem to fix it, and they told me that there was a problem, and y'all have not recalled that vehicle. That way... Honda will have it registered, and they will get with the dealership, and they will fix that vehicle if they had to put new rotors or new brakes or whatever.
5: Well, it's done it from the day one, so I know the rotors got to be okay.
0: That's what I'm saying. I would call the customer service, not, the, not where you bought the vehicle, but look in the owner's manual and call the customer service of Honda themselves, and they will take care of that. Okay. Well, listen, I appreciate all your good efforts there.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, Nick, we appreciate the call this morning. Let's go right back into it. We've got uh, Verena up next. I hope I'm saying that right. In Picayune. Good morning. What's going on?
2: Good morning. Good morning. I am an avid listener to the show, and I know nothing about DIY. Me neither. Anything I need done on my car, I have to take it somewhere else.
1: Me too. I'm and right so with you.
2: I bought, four, <laughs> I bought four new tires from my local Walmart, Uh-oh. and they overtorqued the studs. But well. they didn't tell me. They they put my tire on without even telling me. Now at the bottom left hand corner, it was a note on my service ticket that I unfortunately did not read, and I was not told until I took my car back to have the tires rotated. And at that time, they told me, "If you don't get this fixed, we won't we won't rotate your tires." When I paid for a lifetime rotation and all that deal. So I did what Coach told somebody else to do. Don't deal with the local people. I called Walmart corporate office,
6: mm.
2: and they handled the situation. I was repaid for the amount that it took me to have an outside machine shop fix my, my studs.
0: Well, see, because they over-torqued them, and that's what happens when they try to get the studs back out. They break them. I had that same thing done. Matter of fact, this week I did brakes on a lady's car. Couldn't get the mm-hmm. stud off. And I put the pry bar, on the breaker bar on it, and it broke right off. So I told her yeah. after I finished the job, I told her, I said, you know, I can fix this. I said, but what happened? Whoever put your tires on this vehicle overtorqued your wheels, and they put it on with an impact. They didn't screw them on with their hands. They put them on with an impact and just zoop, right on. And the ladies right. and the, I said, who did your tires? She said, she told me who did her tires. It was someone in Clinton. I said, well, you need to
1: take it back to them. Oh, no, coach. Not take, Clinton. Where you taught all them years? Well, that's true. <laughs> Not, no, that is out somebody in your town, coach. But no. I just
0: just got to tell the truth. I told her, I said, yeah. you need to take it back to them and tell them, hey, you broke my studs, uh, you over-torqued my studs, and now you need to pay for it.
1: So coach, is this like well, a little bit of an part epidemic part of with the, the, the yeah. over torquing of the studs? Is this just something that you have with like retail uh like fast food type auto repair places as, now?
0: As quick as they can get the tire on, quicker they can make more money. Yeah. And go to the next job. So they put it so they just start it with their fingers and then they take the impact, zip. Yeah. And the impact maybe putting out 120 to 160 pounds of pressure torque on that uh impact. Yeah. You know, so if you don't have one that says this is what the torque is going to stay, and it goes no further, then you're going to torque them. And like I say, you're going to break them off. You're going to have the same thing here, going to somewhere to get fixed. But you did a good job by calling the uh, corporate office, not the local Walmart. Well, I, I went locally, but they told me it was my fault for not
2: reading the
1: service. <laughs> now, I wanted to say, like, what is this note they put on your ticket? Because who reads the ticket ever? Because they broke the studs, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Well, I'm well, glad you got that was figured out. I
2: definitely on my ticket, but I learned a valuable lesson.
1: Absolutely. I'm going
2: to read my ticket all the way through, and it was over in the left-hand corner.
0: Mm-hmm. They it tried to so. sneak it by you. They put those little notes on there.
2: Me.
0: They put those little notes and sneak it by you. But, hey, you have any problem, give us a call.
2: Thank you. You're so thank,
1: welcome. Thank you so much for listening uh, in Picayune. Let's go back to the phones. Up next is Greg in Columbus. Greg, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on?
6: Oh uh, Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You see you guys station all the time. Thank Great you so job. much. Thank we appreciate you. it. I got, I, I had no problem. I got a 2002 Toyota Camry, Nice running car, good gas saver. And uh, all of a sudden, the motor jerked a little bit. Jerk. I pulled over to the side of the road, and uh, when I tried to crank it back up, it just would go like a shot back starting up, and it never would turn over. It just kept saying that little buzz noise. So does does that mean uh, it's a motor problem to it or what?
0: Now, uh, explain to me now. You tried to crank it, so you was driving down the road. It just jerked a little bit, and then you pulled over, and you cut the vehicle off. Okay, then you yeah. tried to crank it up, and you heard the starter just buzzing, but the engine yeah, wo- it was just buzzing. okay, so the starter was buzzing, but it wouldn't turn the engine right right, so what I would do right there is go ahead and check the starter because the starter is what it has some bendix on the end of it, some gears that goes into the flywheel and it turns the engine. If it's just buzzing, like you said, like a vacuum cleaner taking off, that means that the starter is sitting there turning and it's not engaged to the engine.
6: Oh, okay. Man, that's why I love y'all, man. I appreciate that.
0: Okay, thank
1: you so much. (laughs) Appreciate you. Greg, we appreciate the call. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio with Coach Charlie. I'm Jay White in for Jermaine Flood this week. We thank you so much for listening. About to go back to the phones and go to Canton here in just a second. But, Coach, uh, I handed you a list. I asked some artificial intelligence about what are some of the, the easiest DIY jobs, and it spit out stuff. Uh, car battery replacement, you've talked about that. Oil changes, we're going into that. Disc, brake, pad replacement. I've actually done that before, a long time ago. Um, tire rotation, headlight replacement, air filter replacement. We talk about all these, the cabin filter replacement talk about all sorts of these types of things each week on the show but the number one thing it listed was spark spark plug replacement and no sooner than you got here this morning coach you had a story for me about how spark plug replacement is maybe not as easy as it looks
0: well you know or or it
1: may be easy to make a misstep
0: it's easy to make a mistake some of them have spark plug wires Some have spark plug coils on themselves and this gentleman came up to me he says Hey, Coach, can you tell me what's wrong with my vehicle? I've already taken it to two or three places. They told me all this stuff was wrong with my vehicle. I said, well, that's really not what's wrong with your vehicle. I said, let me check it out. So it took about five minutes. I put a scan tool on it, told them number one cylinder was missing, and I got out. I said, open the hood, got out and looked, and number one wire, the spark plug wire was burnt on number one. Mm. I said, go get you a set of spark plug wires and take them off one at a time and replace them.
1: All right, so, Coach, you can't replace one wire.
0: You had to replace them all.
1: I just learned a thing.
0: Right. You can't buy one wire no more. You used to. but I just learned
1: a second thing. Yeah.
0: You had to buy a whole set.
1: You can't buy an individual spark plug wire. No. And you don't want to replace just one. You want to replace
0: them all because they're all the you same you got to age. buy them
1: all, and you're going to replace them all at the same time. Right. No reason not to, right? No reason not Might to. as well.
0: So he took it out, and his buddy, he took it to, removed all the wires on the vehicle. And they spent about three hours trying to get them back on. And he calls me and says, Coach, mm. my uh, catalytic converter all red underneath my vehicle like it's fixing a blow-up. I go, well, you got the spark plug wires wrong. He goes, well, this guy said he knew what he was doing. I said, well, he didn't know what he was doing. So the next morning he calls so the me. catalytic converter was red? Because it was firing at the wrong time.
1: Like the brakes on a NASCAR? Like it was Like the, the brakes red? on a NASCAR. Glowing. Coach, what, did they invert some power in there somehow or another? It was... Uh, Too much of the wrong thing going to the wrong place at the wrong
0: time? It was igniting at the wrong time. And so that fire was going right down the catalytic. converter. Dangerous.
1: Very dangerous. E. But that's so, a spark plug replacement job we're talking about. That's Coach, it's spark- an easy hole I
0: could fall into. That's just the wires. <laughs> you got to the spark plug. Uh, you got to the spark plug. If you take a spark plug out on some vehicles now... Like uh, the five, four, three valve, it is a spark plug that's about eight inches long, six to eight inches long, and it will break. And yeah. Then you had to tap it out. It, you mm-hmm. can't. I don't even change spark plugs on a three valve, five, four. I don't do it myself because I ran into it. It takes hours to do it if you can't get them out. What? Yeah. And so some of these things, and then like the spark plugs on a Camry, spark plugs on a certain vehicles. If it's a six cylinder, you got to remove the intake, the upper intake. And the spark plugs one set is on one side and one set is on the other so i if you can't see all the spark plugs don't take them out
1: right right you'd have me trying to chop a potato in half and crawl it out like <laughs> a broken like a broken light bulb or something like that anyway 877 uh, seven mpb rings that don't don't work like that they're
0: about six inches deep
1: yeah <laughs> maybe it won't work maybe is not strong enough Fine. all right let's go to vernon i hope i'm saying that right in canton what's going on good morning how are you
6: I'm doing
1: good. Excellent, excellent. Go right ahead. What's going on?
6: Well, uh, I got a 2002 Chevy Suburban, and uh, I got a brand-new alternator, brand-new battery, but it seems to keep dying on me uh, overnight. I have to get a boost off, and I don't know what the problem is.
0: Okay, so it sounds like if you got a new alternator, and you know the alternator's working, right? Yes. Did you put it on, or did you have somebody else put it on? I put it on. Okay, but you know all that's working, the battery's good, all that. So what I would look for now, uh, since you know that's good, that I would look for a parastatic draw. That means that maybe the glove box light's on, maybe a door's open that you just don't know open, it's not showing it on the dash, uh, or something like that is being left on that you don't see. And that's why it's called a parastatic draw. You have okay. to find that, okay? A lot of times what that will do, that will run your battery down overnight. Now, one other question for you. If that alternator, why did you replace the alternator?
6: Well, because I initially thought that was the
0: problem. Okay, so that's the reason you replaced the alternator. I would check the peristatic draw, and I always say, keep it simple, stupid. That's just kiss, because that's what you need to do. Do the easiest thing first. I would go next thing, after I check and make sure that the battery's good and everything was right and there are no peristatic draws, or that means leaving something open like a glove box or anything, I would check the starter and make sure that it's not drawing power overnight. And what you could do is just pull the starter fuse out when you go to bed at night, just pull the starter fuse out, and if it runs, if everything cranks up in the morning, then you know the starter's bad. Okay. That's an easy fix. All right. Anything else? there we be all. Well, we appreciate you calling, buddy.
1: Hey, thanks. Thank you. Absolutely appreciate the call from Canton today. Let's go to Greg up next in Columbus. Greg, thanks for calling. What's going on? Hey, no
6: problem. I got a 1996 GMC. Uh, I bought it from a guy about 15 miles from where I live, and uh, he told me something was wrong with the number two, uh, number one, number two piston or something. But he drove from uh west point back to my home so i had to get another battery when i got the other battery i got my, my mechanic mr lake to look at it he said it's a wiring problem i take it to someone else and then they say it's a motor problem because it's not fine on distance. so if, if you have a wiring problem to that type of truck uh would that affect a, a fishing or them?
0: well the first thing what i would do is like you said if you had a wiring problem it's not firing on number two cylinder. Okay, number two cylinder. You first of all, you got to see if the coil itself is working uh, for that year vehicle. Those are spark plug wires, probably on that one, and check and see if you got fire to the spark plug itself coming from. And you okay. can just pull the spark plug and or take and pull the wire and put a spark plug on it, ground it out, and you can see if you had fire to that spark plug itself. If it's mechanical, the only way it's going to be mechanical is either a valve is open or something like that. Because the first thing, if it's wiring problem on the electrical part of it, you would not have fire at that spark plug itself. Okay. So the, okay. That, that's the easiest thing. Make sure you got fire to that spark plug and then go from there. Because if you got fire to the spark plug, then the next thing
1: has to be mechanical. Okay, I appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Right, thank you. All right, Greg, we appreciate the call this morning. Coach, these midsize trucks that have all earned bad remarks, not bad necessarily, but not safe remarks from the uh, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. How about this? The Chevy Colorado, the Ford Ranger, the Jeep Gladiator, the Nissan Frontier, and the Toyota Tacoma all receive low safety ratings. That's and all the trucks, Coach.
0: They're all small trucks. Yeah. And all, this is
1: the mid-size truck right. range that they're talking about. Rear passengers at risk of neck and chest injuries uh, in all and in, in many of these tests due to lack of protection from front seat backs. So the little bitty back seat in all of these trucks. Basically, they're packing people in like sardines and they can't keep it safe. This is what's happening. Uh, updated tests adds a rear dummy to encourage automakers to improve rear seat protection. So they're adding a dummy in these back seats. So when they do these tests and the dummy goes flying all over the place, you can be like, hey, fix that. Right. Um, so the Colorado, the Frontier, the Ranger, and Tacoma all allow the rear dummy's head to come too close to the front seat back. There's not room back there,
0: Coach. There's no room, and that's why they're doing it, slamming their heads. And then you think about a small child. You got those for adults. Yeah. Think about small children.
1: Uh, So it was a moderate or likely risk of neck and chest injuries in the poor rated Colorado Gladiator and Tacoma. Um, The rear dummy and the Ranger showed, quote unquote, submarining, which increases the risk of internal injuries. And there was a moderate risk of chest injuries in the marginal rated Ford Ranger, which seems like I don't know, maybe the Ranger holds the title belt with its Marginal rating in this category right now, but it looks like across the board, the mid sized trucks need to do a little bit of improving in that one Eric, part.
0: And yeah. So, what the thing is, Jay, if you're buying any vehicle, do the research on it. If it's safety features, if it's uh, performance, whatever you're looking for, make sure that you do the research to make sure you know yeah. about that vehicle before you buy it. Because once you buy it, I don't want you to have buyer's remorse. Right. Say, well, they they said this, and I didn't do anything about it.
1: Right. And if you're a person that's not going to be, like, if you don't have kids, for example, seat, or the kids yeah. are out of the house or whatever, and you're not going to be sticking people in the back seat. Yeah, shouldn't worry not, about it. Not a big deal. That's right. Absolutely. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, the aforementioned Edwin in Bay St. Louis. Edwin, what's going on? Thanks for calling. Good morning. Hey, thanks for
3: answering. I have a 97 Ford Aerostar cargo van. And I've been going through several new batteries. It's like if I don't run the car within three days, the battery would be drained. Now, let me first tell you this. My door or jaw light stays on all the time when I'm driving the vehicle. But when I um, turn the vehicle off, the light doesn't stay on. So I don't know if that's the reason it's draining the battery. But what I did find out, there's a plunger-type system on my panel by my driver's seat that when you close the door it, it connects to a switch, so I uh, bought a new switch. That still didn't work. The light still comes on. The door jar light still comes on when I'm driving the vehicle. But again, like I said, when it, I'm not driving it, the door jar light goes away. So I put a multimeter on it. Like after two days, to see what's going on. So it it would it would go down to like maybe eight, eight, eight percent or something like that. Instead of being at twelve volts, it would be down to eight, eight. So recently I bought a a battery maintainer, so I would just juice it back up if I don't drive it in a few days. Have you ever had a problem like that before?
0: Yeah, you know, once you cut the key off, that door jar light's going to go off anyway. So what you need to do, if you think it's the door jar, just they have a fuse in the fuse panel. You can pull that fuse panel out, um, just pull the fuse out for the doors and see if your battery stays up. If it stays up, then you know it's doing the, the, it's the door jars. Now, you would have to take it to somebody unless you know how to do it because the door jar switch is on the lock mechanism, right there at the bottom where but what it is, comes together.
3: The way that switch that's on a, on an inside paddle, it's like a plunger. You can push it in with your finger.
0: Right, but it it's has. Like a- but you had to take in. it's it goes on to where the. Uh, lock is where it locks to the uh the striker uh-huh that's where it should go and then you can replace that switch that switch is about 20 bucks most likely and you can put it on there and it should take that door ajar but which door is it saying that's a jar
3: yeah like it doesn't tell you what door it is it just um says door jar and it only got one plunger and it's on a driver's side that you know when you close the door the plunger goes in to show the door is closed, but the plunger is only there. There's no plungers no place else. There's no plunger on my sliding door, and there's no plunger on my back door. Well, that's what I'm and saying. all locks very well.
0: That's what I'm saying. The switch is on the inside of that uh, striker or on the, I mean, the door latch. It's on the inside, and there's the switch. That's where the switch is. You may have a plunger on the driver's side, but you have a switch on each one of those doors to tell if it's ajar or closed.
3: So you're saying I have to take the panel off each door? To get and to and it. go into there?
0: Yes, sir. That's okay. how you got to do it.
3: Okay. So you would think, though, if my, my light doesn't come on <coughs> when my car is off, that shouldn't drain it. And I did do what you said. I did pull that fuse. They said it was like a number 13 fuse that's for the that switch. And I pulled it out, but it didn't do anything. The light still came on when I start the car up.
0: Okay, well, make sure you check that back door if it has a, uh, the back door or anything. Make sure you check all them because that there may be another fuse. You know, there's usually one or two fuses. They always have a backup fuse on a lot of that stuff. So just make sure you read the owner's manual and look at every fuse and see what else it controls.
3: Yeah, you know, I can say it's a '97. I got an owner's manual, but doesn't tell you about that. And I bought a Chilton book, and I bought the other book, Haynes. They don't tell you nothing about that.
0: Okay, you know how to go to the internet? You can look up that particular vehicle and just look up the fuse panel, and they should tell you that on the internet.
3: Okay, I try again. I get the internet. I get on um, Forbes forum. I mean Ford forum, and no one. Everybody gets told tele- gets lubricated really well, and I replace the switch like I did. But um, yeah, all, that keep is, on a
0: looking. all that is is a ground is what's causing the problem. Thank you.
1: All right, Edwin. Hey, stay in touch with us and let us know how uh, this uh, the path for you continues to go on this. And Everyday Tech, we encourage people all the time that we give advice to or something like that to stay in touch with us. Let us know if it worked or if it didn't work. It right, didn't work. That's great. It's almost like I'm paid to talk on the radio. That's right. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up. Coach's tip of the week when we come back, as well as your calls and more. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. It's
7: Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. The car we have this week completely changed my perception of what a car can be. It's a 2023 BMW 760i. It's not the exterior styling that really changes perception. It's when you first press a button and the doors open themselves. And you press another button, the doors close themselves and what's inside it's pretty much a glass cockpit touch screens touch pads to operate everything infotainment system bowers and wilkins audio navigation safety systems all that even a touch pad for the glove compartment in the back a reclining seat in a full width flip down touchscreen infotainment system for netflix videos and youtube super duper car underneath the hood a 4.4 liter twin turbo v8 delivers 536 horsepower and still pretty good gas mileage, 18 miles per gallon in the city, 26 on the highway. 060, 4.1 seconds. So how much is this going to cost? Well, the vehicle starts at $113,600. This one all in, $162,045. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio
1: YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio with Coach Charlie. IMJ and for Jermaine today, Coach, before we go back to the phones here to end the show... Want to let folks know, you hear this story every year around the 4th of July, the rate of car accidents goes up in Mississippi around the 4th. It's the state with the most roadway deaths per million residents. Uh, Mississippi has 3.3 million residents, so there you go. The facts stem from research from autoinsurance.com between 2016 and 2020. The report looked at car crashes across 10 holidays, New Year's, Super Bowl Sunday, St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Across all 10 holidays, the risk of getting into a car accident is 6% greater in Mississippi compared to a regular day. For the fourth, the risk increases by 14%. So if you live in South Haven, just go to Memphis and you're okay for that day. That's true. Or Good. you're picking, you just drive over to Macomb or something like that, or Wayland. Just, just yeah, somewhere across right the right across the, the line. Across the line right you're you're, you're your safer. Time. No, I'm just <laughs> joking. But, hey, let's try to be careful this year, as always.
0: Just don't drink and drive. And it's about
1: being defensive because there are people who are going to try to drink and drive, just like you were saying. And don't
0: text and drive. You know, just be careful as you're driving, you know. And just remember, we talked about insurance last time I was on here. We don't have the best insurance. Most of you don't have it. Mm. So make sure you're safe all the way around.
1: I know it's a time, especially the fourth, people get some extra time off and you ain't trying to be careful. Right. Or pay closer attention to nothing. You want to have some extra time off. But especially at this time when you're driving, be a little bit extra careful and be um, be aware that you probably need to be a little bit more defensive.
0: Be a defensive driver.
1: Not 14% more defensive. That's right. That's in right. Mississippi, anyway. All right, let's go back to it. We've got uh, Leonard up next in Mobile. Leonard, thanks for calling. What's going on?
6: Hey, yes, sir. I got a 2013 F-150 truck. and you know, When I cut the air conditioning on, uh, the fan uh, underneath the hood, it blows extremely loud. I mean, and it stays on for a long time.
0: Underneath the hood itself? When you cut yes, the uh, okay. yes, okay. When, when you I cut the air, no. Okay, so when you cut the air, you got two fans or one fan? Uh, two. Okay, so one one is the driving regular. As the temperature goes up, that fan comes on. The other fan comes on when you cut the air conditioner on. Okay, so as it comes on, you have a low speed and a high speed on that fan. If you look in your fuse panel, a low speed and a high speed relay. OK, Okay. if it stays on high all the time, I would check and see if that low speed uh, relay is bad or the low speed fuse for that fan is bad.
6: OK, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Because uh, even when I go to the drive through, I had to cut the truck off sometimes just so they could hear me.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that. High sp- it's stuck in high speed. OK, thank you very much. You're so welcome.
1: All right, Leonard. We appreciate the call this morning. Let's uh, stay on the phones for one last call. It's John in Mobile. John, thanks for calling. Good morning. What's going on?
7: Uh, thank you for taking my call, Jay. Um, your uh, previous caller was Edwin with the door jar. Yes, sir. Uh, door a jar light thing. I think I may have a solution for anybody who has that. About uh, oh, I guess four years ago, my car was uh, had that problem, and it was draining the battery dead, no matter what I did. So uh, I did research on the internet and found something on YouTube. I believe the title of the thing was "Grandpa Solves the Door Jar Light Problem." <laughs> and yep, and uh, Grandpa was a farmer, and the setting is a farm. The car was similar to mine. It was a, a Ford Taurus, about the same uh, as my Mercury Sable. And uh, he solved the problem when it was uh, late enough that the sun had was down by the horizon. And uh, so it was still light enough for him to work, but dark enough for him to see the instrument panel. So what he did was he solved it with a couple shots of WD-40. I I hope it's okay to say W, you know, brand name on air. Um, He started the car, let it idle, and then um, with the uh, instrument lights on, he opened the driver's door, uh, sprayed... The nozzle, the straw, into the lock mechanism, the one that, you dis- uh, the one that Coach described, and then uh, he closed it and uh, went around to the other side, because nothing happened, he went around to the other side and did the same thing with the passenger side door, and that solved the problem. So I did the same thing, same time of day, uh, the car up to temperature and all that, you know, and I sprayed it into the driver's side lock mechanism, nothing happened. I went around to the other side to spray it, just like uh, Grandpa did, and I glanced in through the window, and the door jar light was off. And it has that problem has not come back. And it had the problem had drained the battery. Oh, God bless. I yeah. think about four times.
0: Yeah, what it was doing, the switch was sticking, and they just put WD-40 or some kind of lubricant in there to make it quit sticking. That's what it was. Same thing he did with the lubricant.
1: All right, John, we appreciate the call from Mobile, trying to help out Edwin in Bay St. Louis. It's a coast thing, it's a whole coast community there. Oh, that's excellent. All right, thanks for listening to AutoCorrect this morning. Turn on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 with a replay Saturday morning at 11. Stay tuned. Coming up next at 11, it's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Jay White, and for Jermaine Flood, our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, our digital content editor and engineer today has been Abram Nanny. The AutoCorrect producer is Jermaine Flood. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Jay White. Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect. And up next to Southern Remedy right here on Think Radio. This is an MPB
0: Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.